We find ourselves now at the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I'm sorry, but with the opening up of Masses at Fairy Meadow in Gwynville, and eventually the Cathedral, we'll have less time to offer recorded messages like this. So this will be the last homily in this series, so to speak. I hope that the homilies have been some help to you in this time of the COVID-19 pandemic restrictions. The reading I'd like to focus on for this Sunday is the first reading from the second book of the Kings. To make my point, I need to explain what the first and second book of Kings is about, and then who is the prophet Elisha, and then what's the significance of the very beautiful hospitality of this woman from Shunem. In the Hebrew way of looking at the sacred scriptures, the books of Joshua and Judges and Samuel, with the what we call the first and second book of Kings, is known as the earlier prophets. The first and second books of the Kings deal with the history of the people of Israel, starting with the death of Solomon and the flourishing of the kingdom under Solomon, and then after his death, the splitting of the two kingdoms into Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom. The first and second book of Kings then deals with the great tribulations of both the kingdoms that eventually they lose their way due to um, falling into idolatry, that they are taken over first in the northern kingdom by the invaders from Syria, and then the southern kingdom of Judah is finally ended with the deportation to Babylon. The idea of the writer of the book of Kings is to look at each of the kings after Solomon and to give a very honest assessment of their fidelity or lack of fidelity to God and the consequences of this for the people of Israel. There's an explanation to why the great disaster of the deportation would eventually occur and it's connected to the lack of recognizing the great transcendence of God. So there's no one place that can hold God. And so that's why we can't fall into idolatry, turning a created thing into something that is to be treated as equivalent to God, who is beyond all and the source of all good things. On that point, it's only in the 7th century BC that it was decreed that the Temple of Jerusalem would be the only shrine or sanctuary in Israel. Before that, there was the possibility of offering worship to God anywhere, but under Josiah, very righteous and a very devout king, it was finally decreed that the great shrine was to be in Jerusalem in the temple. That was an attempt to eradicate syncretism and bolster national unity. Syncretism just means taking elements of different religions and bringing them together instead of holding true to the great revelation given to us about God in the Old Testament. There's also 
the ability in 1 and 2 Kings not to shy away from the tragedies of life. For example, Josiah, who I mentioned before, is a very righteous and devout king, dies a very violent and premature death at the hands of the Pharaoh of Egypt. And these matters are so difficult to understand. How can someone who is so good be taken in death in this way? But these matters aren't avoided, and there's a, a surrender there to the providence of God. The first and second book of Kings ends on a note of hope. So while the deportation to Babylon is seen as the great moment of exile and a moment of profound tragedy, still the line of King David is kept alive because King Jehoiakim, though captured by Babylon, lives in Babylon and is given favorable treatment and recognition as king by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And so there's a, a note of hope that the line of David will continue and that the people of Israel will have a king to serve them and to guide them according to the ways of God. Who is Elisha? Well, Elisha is one of the great prophets mentioned with Elijah in First and Second Kings. Elisha is appointed by Elijah as Elijah's successor. The name of Elisha means God is salvation. He is a 9th century BC prophet of Israel. And after Elijah is taken up into heaven, Elisha continues the mission of Elijah to bear witness to the word of God, to the people of God. And he's mentioned in a whole cycle of events that point to the special place that God gives him in terms of serving and helping and guiding various members of the people of God. For example, he's involved in the participation in the campaign against Moab, so he has influence in the political upheavals of the time and the defense of the people of God. He's involved in the multiplication of loaves, a great miracle, to help people to come to faith in God and be nourished. He's involved in the cure of the leper Naaman, who comes from Damascus. And he's a, a great wanderer around the land and having a wide appeal to both common people and to the leaders of the country. So now we come to the event mentioned in the first reading today, the second book of Kings, chapter 4. Elisha, who, as I mentioned, is a man of wandering, of traveling, is noticed by a woman of rank, a woman of Shunem. And she invites him to stay and eat in her house. This married woman sees something very important about Elisha, that he's a man of God, as she describes him. He's a man of holiness. And she wants to help him in some way, so that he is made welcome and is nourished and given rest for his travels, his work for God. She asks her husband that they should be able to build a place for him to stay. So let us build him a small room on the roof, she says, and put him a bed in it and a table and chair and lamp so that he may rest there. The simple description of what she provides is really lovely and very moving. She knows 
what he needs. He needs a place to rest a bed and somewhere to work or read and something to sit in and a lamp by which he can read. Elisha is deeply moved by this and makes a promise that this woman who is childless and her husband who is old will hold a son in her arms this time next year, as Elisha describes it. Does the prediction come true? Well, the child is given to the woman. She bears this child, but unfortunately the child falls sick and dies. So the woman sends to the prophet, and Elisha sends his servant, and the servant touches the staff to the face of the child, but the child doesn't revive. So Elisha himself has to go and he has this elaborate ritual of praying that the child would be restored to life. Uh, for example, he uh, places himself very close to the child uh, to pray the child would be revived and given the breath of life. And so the child is given back in life to his mother. The first reading is linked to the Gospel passage of today from St. Matthew. Jesus, describing the great mission of the followers of himself, the apostles, talks about a welcoming, that if anyone welcomes them, then they're welcoming Jesus. And if they welcome Jesus, they're welcoming the one who sent Jesus, that is, the Father. And anyone who welcomes a prophet, because he is a prophet, will have a prophet's reward. So this woman has received Elisha as a man of God, and has welcomed him and helped him. And in return, she shares in this blessing uh, through the intercession of Elisha, the gift of a child to her that she might be consoled. So the generosity of God shown through the prophet to her is elicited by her own generous welcome. And Jesus picks up on this theme in the gospel that if someone re receives someone as a true representative of God who is doing the work of God, interceding for the people and being generous with them and giving the blessing of God to them, then that person who receives that prophet or that holy man will receive in this blessing of God. For us, I would suggest that the lesson is one of opening our hearts in genuine welcome to those who in some way represent the goodness of God to us. There are so many ways in which people do us good. Our parents our families, our friends, those we work with, those who will help us in a time of great need, whether it is physical, psychological or spiritual. But in some way, all these people extend to us the blessing of God. And it is important for us to have that attitude of receiving their particular gift of service to us and of in some way giving them thanks, knowing that when we give thanks to the people who help us, we are giving thanks and welcome to the God who is the source of their gifts and the service to us.